Are you glad you're here this morning? I'm glad you're here. Praise God. And uh, for those of you who don't know, we, we stream on Facebook. We upload it to YouTube. Uh, we actually have a podcast that, that uh, we're recording the, the audio and we, we put it out on the Internet. So uh, there's all kinds of avenues that people can hear the Word of God online. And It used to be in the day we would take a tape. You remember the days that we would sell tapes for like a dollar a piece? On a Sunday morning, if you wanted to, well, you know what? You don't have to do that anymore. You can go out to Facebook and pick up the uh, the, the video. You can you can go out to YouTube. We have a YouTube channel that, that we upload to, and you can also check us out with the podcast. So whatever your favorite podcast thing is that you listen to, you can just find us there. Uh, it's Love Connect Grow Serve. Amen. Praise God. I'm glad you're here because we're going to be talking about something very significant today. And as we start off, you know, we're actually starting the second month of this year. But how many, how many of you remember Christmas? How many of you are still paying for Christmas? That's good. I'm uh, <laughs> I have one. Okay, well, it's good that a lot of you are paying for Christmas now, but, but if you think back to Christmas, not maybe not just this past Christmas, but Christmas in past, and I hope this didn't happen, but many of us experience this. Um, experience tells me that it probably did happen sometime in your life. There are many times when you get a present and you open up, and what you say out loud is, oh, you shouldn't have. Now, that can take on two meanings. Because you can be thinking like, no, seriously, you shouldn't have. Really. It was that vacuum cleaner that you didn't look for, that you didn't ask for. Or it was, maybe it was the vacuum cleaner that you wanted. I don't know. But it, it wasn't what you quite wanted. It wasn't what you asked for. Or maybe it was that tie that you were never going to wear. Or that socks that wouldn't even fit if you could fit them over your toes. And at that point in your life, you had to make a decision with what group of people you, you, you wanted to be in. You were either going to become the exchanger re, slash regifter, or you're going to be the holder honor. Now, I know that's not a real word, but you'd be the holder honor. How many of you, I'm asking for a little bit of participation here. How many of you would you'd get the present that would be a little bit Underwhelming. You just say, you know what, I know that person wants me to be happy. So I'm going to take it back. I'm going to exchange it or, because I know they want me to be happy and it's not what I wanted, so I'm going to exchange it. Does anybody live in that camp? Yeah, see, nobody's raising their hand because they don't want their other person to see. Okay. How many of you would go, okay, now I... I I know that they wanted to be happy, they want me to be happy, but I just can't go hurt the person's feeling, so it goes in the closet. Just in case they come by and they ask you about it, you know that it's there, and if they're coming by, if you know they're coming by, you're going to pull it out, and you're going to set it on the coffee table, or you're going to set it out, or it looks like you use it all the time. Now, see, see, 
there's two different kind of camps there that, that you're either going to re-gift it, get rid of it, or you're going to or, or you know exchange it, or you're going to hold on to it to spare their feelings. Doesn't matter how ugly it looks. Okay? Two different people. And it's okay because God wants you to love people, okay? It's okay to love and you're you know. Anyway. You can do that when you're an adult, but when you're a kid, man, you, you just got to suck it up and, you know, because a kid's going to either tell you, I didn't like this present, you know, or, yeah, you know, have you, have you ever seen the commercials where the kid's sitting there in front of the Christmas tree and he opens it up and he's all excited and it's, it sucks. You ever see that? Yeah, that's how, we, that's how we are sometimes. But here's the thing. Have you ever found yourself looking in the mirror, doing the same thing? I wish I could change what was on the inside. I, I wish I could be more patient with people. Be careful praying for patience, by the way. Just saying. I'll touch on that sometime. But, you know, I wish I was more patient. I, I, I wish I could, could, I was a little bit smarter with, when it comes to just being able to talk to people, more outgoing. I wish I could play piano, or I wish I could do this, or I, I, I wish I could keep a tidier house, or I, I, I wish I could do all these things that other people are doing. I have no skills, no contribution. I wish I knew more about God's Word. And so what I want to talk to you today, today is about this. I, I, I think God's Word has something to say to you if you've ever looked in the mirror and said, I wish I was like that other person. I wish I was that talented or that outgoing or that knowledgeable or whatever you're comparing that other person to. And I know, pastors, we are the worst at this. I wish I could speak like him or her. I wish I could have this, this, this group of people that could sing. I wish, I wish our church was like their church. And I, You know, we compare ourselves so much. But I think God speaks to that. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to you and, and how you can change your life because we are in, this is February 2nd, 2020. And if you made any kind of New Year's resolution this year, I will say this, that 25% of you have already failed. And by the end, I, I know that's encouraging. Yeah, that's great encouragement there, Pastor. You're telling us how to change, but 25% of us have already failed in our resolutions. 8%, however, will go right through it. And I actually know people who make a resolution and they stick to it and they change their lives. And, and, and here I want to say this. If there is something in your life that you need to change... And you know you need to change it. There's some gap in your life. And you, if you don't address that, it's going to just derail your life. I'm telling you, you need to address it. 
Don't give up on it. Oh, but pastor, I made the resolution and I'm part of that 25%. I've already failed. Don't give up. Try again. Amen? Amen. Keep going forward with that. If there's something you have to change, God will help you change it. So move forward with it. And if you fail, do it again. Try it again. Keep trying. So today we're going to look in the Bible at two guys. Not at two guys. How many of you remember the store two guys? Yeah, okay. Actually, we're going to be looking at two different people, two men in Scripture that are very similar at the beginning of their of their narrative in the scripture and by the time their lives end they're in two totally different spots so let's pray heavenly father we praise you and we thank you lord god and father as we go through your word i pray holy spirit you would speak to us and lord that we would change our lives according to your grace and the word in our lives applied to our lives lord god Holy Spirit, help us do that. Be the teacher today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The first one that we're going to look at is Saul. Saul is the first king of Israel. His, his story actually begins in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 9. And then the second one is David. David is the second king of Israel. And what you're going to see is these stories are, are as they start, they're so, they're so similar. They're very similar. And, and I want to tell you that there are three truths that are true about both Saul and David as they begin their stories. So here's what happened. When we're introduced to Saul, here's what's happening. Saul's family had lost some donkeys, and they're out searching for their donkeys. Okay, and they, and they go and they can't find them, and, and, and Saul is with, with one, of his, one of his men there. Now remember, Saul is, is he's, he's not king. This is before he was, he was you know, the king. And they're looking for their, the, the pro, their, uh, their donkeys, and they're not successful in finding it. And the, uh, his... his Saul's guy there, he goes, hey, you know, I heard about this guy. He's a seer. Um, at that time, they called prophets seers. And uh, he had this idea. There's a prophet of God who lives nearby. His name's Samuel. Let's go to his house and say, Samuel, can you tell us where our donkeys are? And, and you know, so they, 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 they're on their way to, to, to meet Samuel. And um, they find out where he is and where his house is. And they're going up there to, to meet Samuel. And they pass, they, they run into this guy uh, on the way. And uh, they say, hey, man, we're looking for the seer. Could you tell us where Samuel's house is? And, and the guy happens to be Samuel. He goes, I'm him. I'm Samuel. He goes, why don't you come? Uh, you know, the, the, the people here in this town, they're, they're hungry. They, they have a sacrifice that they've made to God. And they won't, they won't sit down and eat until I get there and bless it and eat with them. And uh, I, want, I want you to be my guests at this dinner. So they go to dinner and 
Samuel has Saul sit at the head of the table and he actually brings him out some choice food for Samuel. Okay? And so Samuel eats it and, and, and or excuse me, Saul eats it and Samuel goes, hey, why don't you guys come to my house, spend the night and then I'll send you on your way the next day. Have a message from God for you. And then in the first Samuel chapter 10, verse 1, it says this. Samuel the prophet says this. Excuse me. It says, then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it over Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I'm going, I'm doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. So here's Saul. He's looking for his lost donkeys. But Samuel says, God wants to give you the keys to the kingdom. Now imagine that. You've looked for, and you've looked for lost donkeys for a long time. And this prophet of God says, uh, Saul, I want you to be the first king of Israel. So that's Saul. Now, David shows up about six chapters later in 1 Samuel. And his story starts not with him looking for lost donkeys, but really what he's doing is he is the, um, watching over the family's sheep and goats because he was a shepherd. Samuel, the very same prophet who anointed Saul to be king over Israel, shows up at David's house looking for the second king of Israel because that's where God told him to go. And he gets there and he meets seven siblings of David. And he goes down the line, that's not the guy, that's not the guy, that's not the guy, that's not the guy. And he says to, to David's father, he says, Jesse, do you have anybody else? Well, yeah, we have like the runt of the litter. We have a little, he's the little guy, he's watching sheep right now. Well, go get him. So David walks in, and God reveals to Samuel, that's the man. That's the guy. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, it says, So David stood among his brothers. Samuel took a flask of olive oil he had brought, and he anointed David with oil. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? I mean, we just read this about Saul. And it says, and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And then Samuel returned to Ramah. Now, when you look at these two, two stories of these David and, uh, and uh, Saul, both had a calling on their lives. God had a purpose for, for them. And here's the thing, there are three truths about these two men that actually are the same about you. There's three things in these truths. Number one, they are both called to it. They had a calling on their life. They had a purpose from God. It's clear because God had Samuel anoint both of them with oil and they were both anointed king over Israel. They're called to it. Number two, they were gifted for it. Gifting in the Bible means that, they, that it's God that carries out the calling in a person's life. He's placed a calling on somebody. He enables that person to do it. 
many times we think that we have to be enabled, we have to be good at something for God to call us to it. But he anoints and calls and equips and, and, and you know, that, that giftingness is for that person. It says in both stories that the Spirit of God came powerfully upon them. God gave them what they needed. God gave them what they needed to be when he called them to be what he called them. So he called them, they were gifted, and then the third one is others could see it. Others could see it. Samuel the prophet could see it. And there are times when, 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 when the rest of Israel could see it. So if we go back to the story of Saul, we see that Saul is on his way home. And it's really neat because when you read that story, when you go through, through that chapter, uh, Samuel tells Saul that there are certain things that are going to happen. He says that when you get to this area where the prophets are, God's going to hit you mightily and you're going to prophesy. So God's going home. And on his way home, the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him and he began to prophesy. People who passed him by could see that the hand of God, the thumbprint of God was on his life. And they said, what, is Saul one of the prophets too? They could see that God was all over him. And we just read there uh, that it said that the Spirit of God came powerfully upon David. And then everybody recognized it. In fact, one day, Saul was looking for somebody to help him because, because of the situation in his life. Saul was greatly troubled. And he was looking at somebody to help him soothe his troubles. And, and one of his servants says, hey, you know what? There's this guy, David. Now, David, he's a great man. He loves God. God's on his life. And he can sing. And he can play a musical instrument. Once again, somebody recognized in David's life that God was going to use him for something. Isn't it easy when we can see that God's gifted somebody else, isn't it? It's, it's easy for us to see God's gifting in somebody. I mean, you know, we can see the thumbprint of God on their life and say, man, God gifted that person. And we don't have to look that far. I mean, okay, look at Mother Teresa. I mean, you look at Mother Teresa. God used her, you know, in her gifting to serve people. She, was, she served people. We saw people like Martin Luther King Jr. And God gave him the gift to motivate and inspire action among people. And then even closer to home, we have people like Tom Phillips. I mean, we can see that he is, is gifted by God to be a teacher. If you're not here for Sunday school and sit in his Sunday school class, you need to be here. God, God has gifted him in that. And among other things that he, he does around here. Now you can say, you know what? I, I see the gifting of God on, 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 on Michael and Taylor. And, and you know, God's used them uh, for, for worship. And, and it's easy for us to say, you know, hey man, I see that God has gifted them. But here's the thing. 
Why is it so hard for us as followers of Christ to look in the mirror and see that God has gifted us too? Why is it so hard for us to look in the mirror and see God's thumbprint on our life that He has gifted us just that he, as He has gifted Saul, just as He has gifted David in the Old Testament? But instead we look in the mirror and we, what do we see? We see every gap, everything wrong with our lives. We're going to see you know, those, those things that, that, that we fix on them. We fixate on them. We, that's all we see. Isn't that funny when we look in the mirror? I mean, just on a physical standpoint, we look in the mirror and we're the ones that see our flaws. And we think everybody else sees our flaws physically. But we also do it spiritually. We, we concentrate on those things. We look at them. And, we're, and we say we're going to fail to see the gift that God has given us. We fix on our gaps. Because here's the truth. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the three things that were true about Saul and David are true about you. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you're called to it. God has put a calling on your life. Now that may scare people. But let's, let's just accept the fact that God has a calling on your life. Pastor, I could never stand up in front of people and talk. That's fine. That might not be your calling. That's okay. Okay? Sometimes that's, what we, that's why we scared, get scared of the calling of God on our lives. Because we think it's all about being up front, public ministry. I will tell you what. There is more that goes on behind the scenes in God's kingdom that people don't see when people use their gifting, their calling for God than just the guy up front. So as you're a follower of Christ, you're God to it. God put a calling on your life. Jesus didn't just save us from our sins. That's great. That's fantastic. That would have been enough. But Jesus also saved us for a purpose. Not only did he save us from something, he saved us to something. He's given you a purpose to walk on this earth. You're called to it. Some of you, man, that sounds great. I just settle for a job. I'm not talking about your career. I'm not talking about what you, know, you, you do in life. I'm talking about your calling, your purpose. As follower of Christ, if you've made that decision, we all share similar callings. I mean, let's face it. We're all called to follow Christ. Amen? We're all called to do that. To become more like Jesus. Because at some point you had an encounter with God and Jesus said, get up and follow me. And if you're not a follower of Christ, maybe you're here today to answer the call of Jesus. Jesus is saying, get up and follow me because he created you for a purpose. So not only are you called to, to follow Jesus, we also have a calling as a follower of God to love Christ, to love God, and to love others. Jesus was asked, 
What's the greatest commandment? What's the great commandment? Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. We are all called to love God and others. We're called to make disciples. Jesus said, therefore, go into all nations, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. We are all called to make disciples. So we all share some similar callings, and you as a follower of Christ may even feel a specific calling from God. When you see something, is there something in your heart that breaks? Or is there something in your heart that says, you need to do something about that? Maybe you feel called to step out and start a business so that your employees know what it's like to work in an affirming, uplifting work environment. Maybe you're called to, to when, when you see foster kids in situations that are not good. Maybe God's calling you to adopt. Maybe God's calling you to, to foster. Because you can show those kids love and acceptance like no one else can. See, those are callings. Maybe you're here today and you don't even know what the specific calling is, and that's okay. Here's what I know. When God calls you to do something, He makes it clear. When God calls you to do something, He makes it clear. But the truth is this. It's that God has called you to it. But not only has He called you to it, He's gifted you for it. He's given you the means to carry it out. He's given you the means to carry out that calling that He's placed on your life. Romans, it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. This is the Apostle Paul to the church. He says in His grace, God has given us different gifts. We're not all called to the same gift, but we're all gifted. God has given us different gifts to, for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the gift of prophecy, then you, you, you speak out with as much faith as you can. If God has given you the, 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 the gift of serving, then you serve well. If you're a teacher, you teach well. If your gift is an encourager, then be encouraging. If your gift is giving... Then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if God shows you the gift or gives you the gift of, uh, of kindness to others, do it gladly. What the Apostle Paul is saying, if God, if you're a follower of Christ, God has given you a gift, use it. You got it. If you don't know what God has gifted you with, with, here's my encouragement. Ask somebody. Ask 
Ask somebody. What a great life discussion. Hey, what do you, what do you think God has gifted me with? What, what is it that God see, that you see God doing through my life that I can do for him? Let me tell you what, God has left his thumbprint on your life. What a great discussion on the car ride home. What a great discussion with, with your children or grandchildren. Here's what I see that God has gifted you. Here's where I see God has gifted you in. What a great discussion with your friends. Get two or three followers together. Here's what we're talking about at church. How do you see God gifting me? Because God has given it. God, God's given it to you. You got it. He, he has given to you what you need to work it out in your life. Whatever calling He has placed on your life. But what are you going to do with that gifting? Because Saul and David did two drastically different things. And because of that, David is mentioned in the New Testament 60 times and Saul was never mentioned once. What are you going to do with the calling that God has placed on your life? After this, the next time we see Saul is mentioned in the Bible, after being anointed to be king over Israel, Saul has gathered the, or excuse me, Samuel has gathered the whole nation. So all of Israel gathered together to publicly select who's going to be the king. But here's the deal: two people already know. Samuel already knows. Okay, he went up. He got Samuel anointed Saul. God told him he was going to be the king. And Saul went home, and then Samuel calls all the people there. They're saying, hey, man, we're going to have a big announcement here. You know. Two people know. Saul and Samuel. Saul didn't tell anybody. Okay? So they, they go all together. He's already been anointed by Samuel to be king over uh, Israel, and they, they know what's going to happen. So they pick the tribe that the king is going to come from. Whose tribe do they pick? They pick Saul's tribe. They pick a clan, it's Saul's clan. They pick the family, it's Saul's family. They pick the individual, and here's what happened. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 21 and 22. (coughs) And finally Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. He had disappeared. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he is hiding among, among the baggage. Paul, Saul selected. He knew he was called. He was gifted for it. Others could see it. The, the Spirit of God came upon him powerfully. He prophesied. He knew it. And what's he doing? He's hiding from the people. He's not ready to step into that gifting that God has called him to. They can't find him. This guy who is described as being head and shoulders 
taller than anyone else in Israel, is hiding behind baggage. It's almost humorous, isn't it? He's this big guy. You can almost see him crouching down, hiding behind these, these, all this stuff, you know, that's kind of sitting there. In his heart, he's going, I don't think I have what it takes. Like it's almost humorous. Except we do the same thing. See, we're, we're called to it. We're gifted for it. Others can see it. The Spirit of the Lord has come upon us. We know, and yet we find ourselves hiding behind the baggage. The baggage of our lives. There's failures that we see. The gaps when we look in the mirror and say, God, you can never use someone like me. The baggage of our past. God, that 2019, it didn't go so well. I don't know that I want to step out in faith in 2020. I don't know where I'm, I'm, uh, if I really want to step out this year. We hide in the baggage of our past. We hide in the baggage of our insecurity. Well, God, I don't, I don't, I don't know about the Bible. I, I, I get all tongue-tied. By the way, if you ever hear any preachers, a lot of us get tongue-tied. Okay, just saying. I don't know enough about the Bible. If I knew more, if I've been a follower of Christ longer, then maybe I could do what you've called me to do. What if I step out in faith and I fail? What does it say about me and what does it say about you? Maybe it's not security that you're hiding behind. Maybe it's the one I see most often as a pastor and it's the the, the baggage of business. God, I know you delivered me from addiction and you've called me to help others with their addiction, but like work is super busy. I don't have enough time. I know you've called me to help students on Wednesday night because that's where, God, you spoke to me. But God, I'm too busy. I've got other things to do. I'm hiding behind the baggage of that time. Maybe it's comparison. Man, if I was more like him or her, this is where pastors get stuck too. God, if I was just, if I just had that church like that, if I just had the money to do this, this is where we get stuck, you know. God, if I was just like that person or that person. I'd be able to do it. But here's the problem. If we're buried in our baggage, we can't go where God wants us to go in 2020. If we won't leave our baggage, we won't be who God has called us to be in 2020. I know because I've I've struggled with this in my own life. God, have you really called me? I mean, I know you called me to be a follower of, of Christ. How have you gifted me? And I look at other pastors and I say, God, man, I just wish I could speak like that. God, why can't I just... Why can't I put together sermons like that guy? Greg Rochelle, man. Man. If I could just talk like him and explain. He doesn't even use notes. 
he's cool. Why can't I be like him? You've gifted him to walk into a room and it just takes control of the room. Everybody looks at him. Me, I just slide into the back, you know, sit in the back road and I'm fine. I just observe. I don't have what it takes. But here's the thing. I realize that God has called me. You can ask my wife, there have been some times in our lives that there's only like three things I know. One of them was that God called me. Second was that I knew I loved her. She loved me. But see that you gotta accept that calling. And on top of that, other people could see that I was called. Not everybody. I had a pastor once tell me, Mike, you're never going to pastor a church. Remember that? So here I am. See, God has called us. Others can see it. God is, is, and here's the good news. Is that because you're called to it, you're gifted to it, and others can see it? So if you're there struggling with the baggage of your life, the best thing you can do is surround yourself with other people who speak truth into your life and say, you know what? God didn't call you to live among the baggage. He called you to step out because there's a different way. And David responded differently than Saul. You see, the next time that we see David mentioned in Scripture after being anointed to be king over Israel, he was showing up at the battle lines. You see it, he was anointed king. And then they were fighting against the Philistine, ar- Philistine army. And there was this guy that came out and said, okay, send me your champion and so I can beat her. I'm the Philistine's champion. His name was Goliath. In 1 Samuel's chapter um, 17 verse 26 and David was there and, and, and you know he saw this champion Goliath caught, and nobody responded calling out to the armies of Israel nobody was, nobody was responding and David asked the soldier there in verse 26 what would a man get for killing this Philistine and end his life of his, his defiance of Israel And who is this Philistine anyway that he should defy the armies of the living God? You see, when Saul was called to it, Saul was gifted for it. Everyone else could see it. He hid in the bag and saying, God, I don't feel like I have what it takes. But David stepped up for a battle, right? David steps up for the battle. Not saying, God, I don't feel like I have what it takes, but saying, God, take what I have. See, there's a difference there. I don't have what it takes. So God, I'm not giving anything. David said, you know what, God? Whatever I have, use it. Use it. Because here's the deal. When we say, God, I don't feel like I have what it takes, you're basing the outcome upon our ability. God, I don't have what it takes. It's all about me. God, I don't have... Have what it takes. So I'm not even going to try. 
But when we say, God, take what I have, you know what? If you're a follower of Christ, the war's already won. Christ won the war back on the cross. I can't promise you how the battle is in your life is going to go this year. But the good news is, is whether or not you, you win the battle that you're in or whether you lose the battle that you're in, Jesus Christ has already won the war for you. You see, David understood this truth that being gifted and make no mistake, no mistake about make no mistake about it as a follower of Christ, you are gifted. You got it. And being gifted means that you have something to give. Being gifted means that you have something to give. And, and, and what I, I want to be really transparent today. There are some days that I wake up in the baggage. God, I don't feel like I have what it takes to be the husband that you call me to be. I don't know that I have what it takes to be the father that I know you want me to be. I don't feel like I could be the pastor that you've called me to be. But the outcome is not dependent upon me. It's dependent upon the one who's with me. So the Spirit of God came powerfully upon David. And the Spirit of God, if you're a follower of Christ, will come powerfully upon you as well. He's gifted you for what He's called you to do. So here's the fear that I have in presenting this message. Is that you would come to church or you would go online and, 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 and get into YouTube or whatever and watch this message and say, awesome man, more to do. I already want to lose seven pounds this year. I, want to, I already want to be more successful at work. I want to spend more time at home. I want to be at every one of my sporting uh, my kids' sporting events or grandkids' sporting events. I want to be the friend that I'm supposed to be to others. Now I've got to figure out what my calling is. Find out what my gifting is. Like I needed something else to do. Here's the problem with that. It's exhausting. But the good news of Jesus Christ wasn't brought to you to add something else to your life. I said it this morning. <coughs> Excuse me, I said it this morning. Christ is coming to your life to bring you freedom. To bring freedom. And when you understand that you're gifted by God for a purpose, that brings freedom to your life. Here's the freedom that it brings to your life. It brings the freedom of comparison. The freedom from comparison. I don't have to be... Him or her. It brings a freedom to be able to celebrate the gifts of other people's lives. Man, that's awesome that you have gifted that person to do that. And it gives you the freedom to concentrate on what God has called you to do. Now, God hasn't made us awesome at everything. But he's given you gifts in something. So like every single one of us has opened up those Christmas presents and had a feeling of, ah, oh, man, I wish I got something else in this box. And everybody, every one of us has looked in the mirror and said, man, I wish there was something different inside of me. 
Sometimes I look in the mirror and, I'm go, and I go, I'm not a spectacular God as what you did with that person or that person. But don't you ever confuse spectacular with significant. Because God has given you a significant gift to carry out the purpose that he's called in your life. It might not be spectacular, but it's significant. And in 2020, here's what I know. Is that God will take that significant gift. And if you're willing to say being, if you're willing to say being gifted means that I have something to give. So God take what I have. He will make your he will take your significant gift and write a spectacular story. Because being gifted means you have something to give. And all of us are gifted. So if you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today, in that spirit and attitude of prayer, I know that some of us have come to church or logged into Facebook or onto YouTube. We've made a a decision to follow Christ. But we find ourselves maybe hiding in the baggage Saying, God, I don't feel like I have what it takes. I don't feel at all spectacular. And yet, in 2020, God wants you to step up for battle. To step into the calling that he's given to you because he's given you the gift to carry it out. So if you're here today or you're watching this message today, And you're ready to say, God, take what I have this year and write a spectacular story with it. I'm going to ask you if you would just raise your hand right now. Yes, yes. God, use that gift. I'm ready for you to use it. I see hands. Praise God. Thank you. Let's, Let's pray. Just pray with us. Amen. Heavenly Father, please remind us that you have given us a gift for your purpose. We pray, Lord, that we would feel your spirit as we step into uh, what you have for us for the rest of this year. And even those days that when we wake up in the baggage, that you would call us out into the calling that you've placed on it because you've given us a gift to live. Lord, you've given us. You've equipped us. Help us to walk in that. And as we continue in that attitude of prayer, I also know that there are some of us who are watching online or you're, you're in this church today, and maybe you haven't had a, made that decision to follow Christ yet. Here's the thing. God has a purpose for your life. And the ultimate purpose for your life is to be in relationship with God. But unfortunately, because of sin, and because of your sin, my sin, that relationship with God has been severed. But the good news is this, that God looked at the distance between me and you and him, and he says, that's not okay. 
So he sent his son Jesus Christ into the world to live a perfect life, to die on the cross and be raised from the grave three days later. Why? So that you would no longer be separated from God. That you could have an eternal relationship with him and live for a purpose today. If you're here and you're saying, I'm ready to receive God's grace, I'm ready to receive his forgiveness, I'm ready to have an eternal relationship with God and to be forgiven of my sin, I'm going to ask if you right, right now just raise your hand. If that's you, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I'm ready to have a relationship with him, to receive his grace and mercy and forgiveness. Church, I'm going to ask if you pray alongside of me as today we get to pray alongside people who are making the decision to follow Jesus Christ. Let's all pray together. Pray out loud. Pray, Heavenly Father, I'm ready to turn from my sin and to follow Jesus because I believe Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the grave so that I could be saved. Thank you, Lord, for a new life that you've given to me. And thank you, Lord, for the celebration that is happening in heaven. And it's in Jesus' name that everyone says, Amen. Praise God. Praise God.